When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining. Obviously, we have a lot to jump into in this episode. The big news of this week is, of course, the meme stocks are back. They're back at it again. They're up to their shenanigans, and they're being led by none other than AMC, the struggling theater chain that struggled during 2020. It has a lot of headwinds it's facing. Well, the stock price doesn't really reflect that story. In fact, looking at the stock price just this year, 2021, it went from under $2 a share is trading at around $1.98 to currently being above $53. And this is changing by the minute. So we don't know what price this is going to be in the next hour. But as of right now, it's $53.70. Why is this happening? What's going on with these meme stocks? What type of risks are investors taking investing in these type of stocks? We're going to be discussing all of that in today's episode. We also have some other news I want to comment on, which is the economy is picking up rapidly. We've added 559,000 jobs. So this was a wonderful jobs report. It means a lot of people are going back to work, and that's a good thing for the economy. With this news, I've been making an additional investment into one company. This is Texas Roadhouse. It is a restaurant, and I've been buying more and more of this company. I currently have it in the restaurant and delivery category of my portfolio, where I only have one company right now, and it's Texas Roadhouse. I just purchased $2,000 more of this company today, and I'm probably going to be purchasing more of it next week. So in this episode, I'm also going to be explaining why I'm so bullish on this company and why I continue to purchase more and more of this stock. So we have a lot to jump into, a lot of things to cover. And as always, if you like this type of content, smash the like button. You can consider subscribing if you haven't already. If you really want to support the channel, you can check out the Patreon. Not only does that help support the creation of more content, but you also get access to a dividend tracking website, different spreadsheets, a Discord community, exclusive content, so on and so forth, a bunch of different stuff. So you can try that out. There's a link in the description or it's patreon.com slash Joseph Carlson. You get a free trial by signing up. Now let's go ahead and jump into this main story, which is AMC stock is going through the roof. It's up above $50 a share. And back in March 10th of this year, just March 10th of this year, AMC is a screaming sell and only worth one penny, according to the analyst Richard Greenfield. Now, Rich Greenfield is an analyst that covers movie theaters, media companies, streaming companies, and this whole industry. And he gave AMC a one penny sell rating, and then he immediately went on to CNBC to explain his sell rating. He explains in this interview the problems with AMC's capital structure, how it's heavily levered, and it will likely never become cash generative again because of how indebted the company is. You know, we've been looking at sort of the, the rise in the stock as, as investors seem excited by the reopening. What they're missing is that this is not Cinemark. Cinemark's actually got a very good, you know, very good balance sheet. AMC is eight times levered. They will never generate meaningful free cash flow. There is no value to equity holders. People can buy it because they're excited about going back to theaters, but there is no value to this company. And ultimately, that's what's going to matter is they can't pay off their debt ever. He says that there's no value to this company and they can't pay off their debt ever. And keep in mind, at the time of this interview, AMC was trading at about $10 a share. So he has a one penny price target on it, saying the company will never be cash generative. And it's currently trading at $10 a share, recently up from $2 a share. So the stock had been surging already 
And Richard's trying to explain why he thinks that this is totally detached from the fundamentals of the company. Well, I would step back for a second. Okay. This company generated $770 million of EBITDA before the pandemic. So go right. back to 2019. Now think about what's happened. Forget about lingering health concerns. I'm sure at some point we're all going to feel comfortable doing what we did before the pandemic, whether that's 2022 or 2023. I'm not smart enough to know that answer. What I do know, though, is that executives like Jeff Shell, who runs your parent company, NBC Universal, Bob Chapik, who runs Disney, Jason Kylar, who runs Warner Media, Bob Backus, who runs Viacom CBS, all of them have said very publicly in the last several weeks, the consumer has spoken. We are not going back to pre-pandemic release windows. We are going to get movies sooner into the home and really empower the consumer with more choice. The end result is attendance levels are just never going to be. And so that 770 million of EBITDA is never going to be achievable again. And even if it was, they can't pay off their debt. But if they can't get close to that level, this thing literally is worth it, you know, can't cover its debt, let alone have any value for equity holders. And that's really why we put the penny stock target on there for 12 months. So in March of this year, AMC's trading at $10 a share. Rich highlights that the big media companies like Disney, Warner Media, Comcast are putting their content on their own streaming platforms. And the theatrical release window is shrinking for AMC, which he believes will make it so that they can never generate as much cash as they did prior to 2020, that the pandemic permanently changed things for movie theaters. And he also believes that the levels of debt that they have, how levered this company is, means that they'll never be a cash generative business again. They won't be able to return any money to shareholders in the future because their debts will always exceed their cash flow. Then we fast forward three months to the end of May. AMC has traded from $10 a share to above $30 a share. And Rich Greenfield again appears on CNBC to warn about how he believes this is essentially a pump and dump scheme. The, the sort of the funny part about this is, is there's this sort of army of retail investors that keeps talking about we're going to buy, hold and never sell. Yet there's this greater fool theory, right? Like somebody's selling because 688 million shares traded yesterday. So retail is selling to retail at ever higher prices. So some of them are obviously making tremendous amounts of money as they get more and more people to buy at inflated prices. He's asked once again what he believes fair value is for this company. Keep in mind it's trading at $30 a share right now. Well, fair value is what your future cash flows are. This company can't generate cash flow. If you look at sort of what it's earned historically, the change of the industry, its interest expense, and its capital expenditures, it will never generate cash again. That's why we have a one penny price target is that this company is headed for bankruptcy. He once again reaffirms his one penny price target, saying that AMC is too heavily indebted. They're not going to generate enough cash to pay back their debt, and they're ultimately not able to generate profits. And a company's only worth what its future profits are. But he also highlights one caveat, one exception, one route that AMC can take to avoid bankruptcy. The only choice it has if it issues hundreds of millions of shares. Now, it's already issued several hundred million shares over the last year. If it issued hundreds of millions of shares at these inflated prices, it could actually stave off bankruptcy. If AMC was able to issue hundreds of millions of shares at the inflated price of $30 a share, it might be able to stave off bankruptcy. It could avoid bankruptcy by diluting shareholders, issuing a lot of shares to raise capital. That is the only route that AMC could take to avoid bankruptcy. And that's exactly what AMC executives did. They used the opportunity of this increased share price as a way to raise capital. They issued 11.5 million new shares, raising over half a billion dollars. 
Is this enough to actually save AMC? Has Reddit Wall Street Bets actually saved this company from bankruptcy? Now AMC stock is at $50 a share, and it's the most heavily traded company in the world, beating out companies like Tesla and Apple in its amount of trading volume. Rich Greenfield has again asked, what he thinks about this? Does he think the company's worth $50 a share? Has he changed his price target of one penny? What is his thoughts now that the company's trading at $50 a share? I think there's a bit of a misperception that what's really going on is just retail, buying from other people in retail. And, you know, toward what you just, what was just being discussed, like, Someone's making a lot of money here, and a lot of people are going to be left holding the bag because at the end of the day, the fundamentals here just don't support the valuation. I mean, Cinemark, exact same company. I mean, same industry, same, you know, they don't own their theaters. They have the same movies that come out, same EBITDA in 2019, effectively as AMC. It's a $5 billion enterprise value. AMC is at $30 billion. Exact same companies, and one company's got a stronger balance sheet, Cinemark, than AMC does. And so this is just factually, you know, bonkers. Literally, when you look at sort of the relative positioning uh, of these two companies in the same exact industry. Rich highlights again that investors are not buying and selling AMC based on the fundamental value of the company. Even on a relative valuation, Cinemark is trading at a fraction of the price. It has a stronger balance sheet, and it's in the exact same industry. He's asked once again if AMC can avoid bankruptcy, and once again he says the way to avoid bankruptcy is by raising more capital through issuing more shares. How this company could save itself from going out of business, it still has to issue one to 200 million more shares. I mean, it needs it's losing money every day. It didn't make money, as you pointed out, in 2019. Um, this company needs to raise a lot more capital. You saw what happened when it raised 11 million shares today. It probably needs to raise 150 million more shares at this stock price, let alone what its real stock price should be, where it would have to issue hundreds of millions of more shares. Um, they don't have the authorization, though, to do that. So they need all of these retail shareholders to actually vote in favor of the company massively diluting them over the coming year. And so it's going to be very interesting whether Adam Aaron can convince them to be diluted, because without dilution, they're be really between a rock and a hard place. Like. They have debt covenants. They have to get back to 85% of box office by Q4 in terms of attendance, or they're going to start tripping covenants. So they need to issue a lot more equity and soon. AMC needs to issue a lot more shares and they need to do it soon. And the CEO, Adam Aaron, needs to convince the shareholder of AMC to be heavily diluted, that that's the best thing for the future of the company. And that's, again, exactly what the executives and especially the CEO is trying to do. They're trying to tell the AMC shareholder, look, the only way that we can survive is by diluting you, the shareholder, by issuing millions and millions of new shares at these very high share prices. They're trying to urge the support of a plan to issue 25 million additional shares. In order to do this, the CEO of AMC appeared on a YouTube channel, Trades Trades, saying, if you arm us with the tool, meaning the stock as the tool, to go find value, creating opportunities for AMC shareholders, we can do that. And then he gives a warning. If we are not armed with this tool, then you are tying our hands behind our back and you'll make it just that much harder for us to land some of these attractive opportunities that could benefit us all. That's a nice way. That's kind of a euphemism of Aaron saying, if you don't arm us with the tool of issuing more shares, we might go bankrupt. This will be a very difficult situation for us. This is our one avenue of avoiding bankruptcy.
The CEO and management of AMC clearly understands the importance of issuing new shares, that this is the one and only tool that they have to be able to avoid bankruptcy. If they could issue millions of new additional shares at the current price of above $50 a share, they could raise hundreds of millions of dollars to be able to further make their debt payments. If they're not able to, that puts them in a very difficult situation. And a lot of retail investors may not understand the risk associated with this stock. For instance, Trey Collins, the YouTuber that had the CEO on to do an interview, also went on to CNBC to explain why he's instructing people to hold AMC stock. There is risk involved with every sort of trade that's that's not based on fundamentals alone, but there's money to be made on uh, on on momentum. And that's what this is right now. It's a momentum play and it's a movement. It's a it's a story, man. I mean, I think the apes are truly trying to tell the story about why they think they deserve to, to to, you know, be hurt to, to make money because the short sellers have been betting against retail investors for a long time. And I think it, it just seems like the retail investor has the upper hand. He explains that this is more than just people buying a company. This is a movement. There's a narrative behind it. It's the retail investors against the short sellers. And that is the story that is continually portrayed in purchasing meme stocks like AMC. Trey goes on to explain the movement of this stock, the narrative of it, and how he believes that you should only invest money that you're willing to lose. This is a message that I've preached, you know, for myself, something I've tried to live by is you only invest into the stock market, what you're willing to lose. I view, you know, AMC right now, essentially as money that does not exist and I might never see again, you know, and I'm absolutely okay with that. I think that is the proper way to view an investment into AMC. You should only be investing money into AMC currently that you're willing to lose. And you should view it as money that you've already lost, it's already gone. But I wanna point out that for me personally, I do not agree with this philosophy. I don't view my investments as just things where I don't care if I lose money, I, I put money in it, and then I view it as already being lost and it's money that I'm okay losing. That's not how I view my investments and that's not how I think you should view investments. One of my favorite interviews with Buffett is where he outlines the first two rules of investing. The first rule on investment is don't lose. And the second rule of investment is don't forget the first rule. And that's all the rules there are. I mean, that the first rule of investment is don't lose. And the second rule of investment is don't forget the first. That's all the rules there are. Does Warren Buffett go into investments saying you got to just invest money that you're okay losing and you have to have the attitude that once you invest it, it's already gone. Is that the way that he views his investments? Of course, he knows that he's taking on risk and there is a chance of loss with investment, but Buffett does everything in his power to minimize the risk of permanent loss, of capital impairment. He does everything in his power to minimize the risk of losing money. But Trey instructs his followers to have a different viewpoint on investing, to be okay losing money. In fact, to only invest money that you're fully okay with losing. And even if you lose it, it's really not that big of a deal. I view you know, AMC right now essentially as money that does not exist and I might never see again. You know, and I'm absolutely okay with that. And if you view AMC stock that way, you're walking away okay. So once you take that emotional aspect out of it, the gambling, the, the, the casinoification, which I've never, you know, you don't have that aspect on the table, uh, you could come into this and truly rest easy. Once you take the emotional aspect out of it and you become completely okay losing a lot of money, then you can rest easy because no matter the outcome, whether you make a lot of money or you lose a lot of money, either way, you've emotionally accepted the outcome and that allows you to rest easy. Again, this isn't an investing strategy that I would personally follow. I do everything I can to protect my capital by taking risks that I think have asymmetric risk rewards. But if you are going to invest in AMC at this current point and this price, I think it's good to have the attitude of being okay losing money. 
Trey's asked later on in this interview what he believes the fundamental value of AMC is. And keep in mind that right now it's trading around $50 a share. With all that being said, I, I truly do believe that the fundamental value of AMC would be somewhere in that $20 to $25 range, you know, in 2021, end of 2021, when they're fully back in capacity, fully bringing in that, that, uh, that cash flow and, and that sort of nature. He believes that it's currently worth around $20 to $25 on a fundamental basis, yet he's telling people to continue buying the stock and holding the stock. And he says that there's a difference between fundamental value and momentum. And right now, this is a momentum trade. I think he's correct in saying that AMC is clearly trading above its fundamental valuation, and most investors in it know that. They know that this is a meme stock. They know that this is a momentum play, and it's not trading anywhere close to its fundamentals. But I don't think it really matters. A lot of these companies can trade away from their fundamentals for a very long time. GameStop is trading at currently $255 a share. It's creeping up to its all-time high of $350. So this is another meme stock that seems to be sustaining a much higher valuation than its fundamentals would justify. The amount of risk in AMC and these meme stocks is difficult to quantify, but the risk is substantial. Even AMC warns their own investors that they could lose everything. In a recent filing, they said, quote, we believe that the recent volatility and our current market prices reflect market and trading dynamics unrelated to the underlying business or macro or industry fundamentals. They're openly saying that the stock price doesn't make sense, that they do not have the fundamentals to justify their stock price in any quantity. They say, and we do not know how long these dynamics will last. That is the question that every AMC investor is asking themselves right now. How long is this going to last? Is it going to be like GameStop where it continues to trend upward for a long time? Is it going to have a dramatic fall? That's the question you have to ask yourself if you want to bet on these type of companies. They say, under the circumstances, we caution you against investing in our Class A common stock unless you are prepared to incur the risk of losing all or a substantial portion of your investment. That is one of the most direct and harsh warnings I've ever seen a company give to their investors saying that they're cautioning you against investing in their common stock unless you're prepared to lose everything. So this goes back to Trey's warning. If you are investing in AMC, have the attitude of being okay losing everything because the company itself is warning you, the investor, that there's a real possibility of that happening. Now, of course, it's okay to have some discretionary money in companies like AMC or GameStop or any of these meme stocks, but I really wouldn't call this investing. I would call it gambling. If you're buying AMC at $50 a share, are you really doing that because you were looking through companies and you found one that you thought was of good value or that you wanted to own the future cash flow of this company? It's heavily leveraged. It's in a very difficult situation financially and it's having to dramatically dilute shareholders. The reason that people are buying the stock is because of Reddit and the media. And AMC right now resembles more of a gamble than an investment. There's going to be a few people that make a lot of money on the rise up of the stock And then if it does drop down, like most cases with these type of meme stocks, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money in the process. So I'd only invest in these companies, like Trey says, with money that you're okay losing, and I would do so considering it a gamble. Now, I, of course, don't own AMC or GameStop in my portfolio. I try to follow Warren Buffett's first two rules, number one being never lose money, and number two being never forget rule number one. Every investment I make, 
I believe I have a low chance of permanently losing capital with this investment. For instance, the most recent investment that I've done is $2,000 into Texas Roadhouse, upping my stake in this company. And I believe that this is, again, an investment where I have a very minimal chance of losing capital over the long run, and I have a good chance of gaining a lot of returns over the long run. Texas Roadhouse is a company that will benefit from the reopening of the economy. And with every bit of data I see, the economy is very hot. It's reopening. People are going back to work. People are going back outside. People have a lot of cash to spend. And when they have a lot of cash to spend, amongst many other outdoor activities, they like to go out and get good food. Texas Roadhouse has a lot of heart-stopping good food that makes for a very good time. And not only that, but the financials of this company and the balance sheet are very good. The revenue growth is steadily over 10% per year for the past decade. It dipped down in 2020 because obviously a lot of their restaurants were closed for an entire quarter out of the year. But if we look at their net income, one of the most remarkable things about this company is how quickly they recovered their profits. This is from quarter to quarter. In 2019, they're making about 40 to $50 million in net income every single quarter. And then 2020 happens in the coronavirus. Their net income drops to $16 million, And then it goes to negative $33 million in one quarter. $33 million in the red, and the future is very uncertain. But then in one quarter, they have $29 million in positive net income. They rebounded strongly. In fact, the next quarter in December, they went to $19.5 million in net income. And then in the first quarter of this year, they reported $64 million in net income way above what they've previously been even in 2019. Texas Roadhouse has recovered strongly after the pandemic. In fact, they froze their dividend at the beginning of the pandemic because of the uncertainty. They wanted to preserve their capital in case they needed it. I think that was the right decision to do, but they also returned their dividend already. They're not waiting years to return it. They've already returned their dividend with an 11% increase, which makes the company have a 1.54% forward yield right now. That is an above market yield for what I believe is an above average company. Texas Roadhouse is a smaller company. It only has a market cap of 6.7 billion. It has a forward PE ratio of 28 and it's trading at a share price of $96. Now, I think with all the tailwinds that restaurants have right now, people wanting to go out and have experiences, have fun, going out to dinner and spending money, I think that this company can go up a lot further from here. I expect it to continue to have 10 to 15% revenue growth, good net income, and I would not be surprised if by this time next year, Texas Roadhouse was trading somewhere above 130. So this is a company with a strong balance sheet. It has a lot of growth ahead of it. It's trading at a reasonable valuation. And I think over the long term, over the next five years, I have a very low chance of permanently losing money with this holding, and I have a really decent chance of making a lot of money with it. So this has the right risk reward profile where I feel very comfortable investing in this company holding it for the long term and letting it pay me dividends in the meantime. So that's what I plan on doing. I currently have 59 shares and I'm probably gonna double this position over the next week. So there's a little update on my portfolio. We're making money with capital gains. We're making money with dividends and I'm continuing to buy companies and holdings that I think have a good risk adjusted return and they have a very low downside with good upside. That's what I'm looking for with my investments. So I'll continue to give updates on this portfolio. If you wanna look at my entire portfolio, there's a link in the description where you can click into any of these categories and see my holdings. So I'll leave that there in the description. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you next time.